Hello and welcome to this podcast with Pastor Tony Paolo, recorded live at Restoration Church of Rhode Island. Enjoy today's message. This week was a pretty emotional roller coaster. Um, I mean, it was an emotional, this is the week that the church calls it Holy Week. It was an emotional roller coaster for Jesus too, right? So we're not comparing, but it was something. So it is on and we are thoroughly excited. We sent out um, letters to our neighbors. We sent out a letter to our mayor. We sent out a letter to the chief of police, to lieutenant. So we're really excited. We're going to be having it Saturday night at 5 and then also two services on Sunday, 9.30 and 11. So the station that we are tuning to is 88.5. Be sure, make sure you come out. I, got a, I have a suggestion for you. Come out Saturday night because I have a feeling Sunday is going to be pretty uh, crowded. But we're going to stay within the, with the rules of social distancing. And a shout out to our mayor, Governor Raimondo, who acknowledged faith-based organizations and churches. And, uh, and she gave us a thumbs up, so we are running. Anyway, so in several moments, we are going to partake in, uh, of communion. So if you haven't already, if you can go ahead and grab your elements. doesn't need to be fancy. It's just a small piece of bread and some grape juice. Uh, if you don't have grape juice, just use certain, uh, uh, a symbol of some kind of juice. Um, and uh, I want to give a shout-out. Doesn't this bread look amazing? I'm going to pick it up. Is that all right? I don't, I, I'm going to pick up this bread. This bread was made by our future son-in-law. Yes, our daughter is getting married. Our future son-in-law, Brandon Adonisio, all the way from Stormville, New York. One thing that the, this, um, uh, uh, this isolation, <laughs> this quarantine has done is he's become a bread, what do they call him, a guy, a baker. And uh, he is amazing. Um, and I just asked him, I said, listen, man, I would like something pretty. Don't know what it tastes like, but <laughs> I'm sure it's good. So a shout out to Brandon. I'm sure his parents, Christine and Paul, are watching us all the way from New York. And uh, so uh, we're going to be partaking of communion. And we also want to, uh, just talking about New York, we pray for our friends in New York. Uh, we have family in New York. Uh, we, a lot of people in our church are connected to people in New York. So we pray for our New York friends. All right. <sighs> Take a deep breath, everybody. Lord is good, and uh, today represents the day that Jesus partook of uh, the Lord's Supper, right? What we call communion. They called it the Passover Seder. Uh, and uh, for us New Testament Christians, we call it communion, um, or I would like to call it the last dinner. This was Christ's last dinner before he was sent to the cross. I mean, this whole week was pretty intense for him, right? I've heard people say this is a really rough week for me. But uh, Jesus had this, I would say this was a pretty enormously painful week for Christ. Uh, from Sunday with uh, Palm Sunday and coming into the triumphal entry. Monday, he cleared the temple. Uh, I don't know what happened. I forget. Somebody helped me out what happened Tuesday and Wednesday. But Thursday, he took uh, Lord's Supper today. Tomorrow, he'll be crucified. So really was an intense week. So tonight, we're going to talk about how Jesus stayed on mission. We're going to talk about staying focused, how Jesus Christ stayed on mission despite what was going on in his life. John chapter 13. We're going to go to John chapter 13, verses 21 uh, through 30. We actually got it on the screen right behind me. Uh, we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to really uh, develop a trail of these last couple of days with Christ. 
um, leading up to his betrayal by uh, Judas. And of course, can't forget about Peter. We're going to build a trail. We're going to build a timeline and kind of put, insert ourselves into the story and, uh, and really gain some wisdom. So is everybody good? John chapter 13, uh, verse 21 through 30. Everybody got it? This was the last dinner. The scene of Jesus Christ's last dinner before he goes to Calvary. It was a really intimate setting. We've all seen the pictures, all the paintings, right? And uh, the disciples are with the Lord, and Jesus is really clear, all right? The dinner dinner table is set. And in verse 21, it says, Jesus was troubled in spirit as they were eating. Jesus was troubled in spirit as they're passing around the bread and past the gravy, past the lemonade, everything like that. Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Now, it became awkward real quick. You ever have a family dinner and you're with your family members and somebody says something and there's this awkward silence? That's what was happening right here. Awkward silence. Jesus was troubled. He says, one of you is going to stab me in the back. And instead of having my back, you're going to actually stab me in the back. His disciples stared at each other, and they stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of the disciples, Peter, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Now, I just kind of as a side note, when they ate in the New Testament, they reclined as they ate. They didn't sit. That speaks volumes to me because eating... And sleeping, two of one of my, my, my favorite things, eating and sleeping together, to me, that's a very beautiful thing. And the disciple who was reclining next to him, Simon Peter, motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means, leaning back against Jesus. He asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the ditch, in the dish. Then dipping the bread, piece of bread, it's, it's amazing. Jesus was so calculated in his planning. So Jesus goes, it's the guy I give this bread to. Here you go, Judas. <laughs> clear, super clear. So he takes the bread, he's dipping the piece of bread, he gives it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, this is amazing, powerful. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan enters Judas. Now, there aren't many times in Scripture where we read Satan actually entering someone. That's what happens when you leave a door open, right? So Jesus tells them, what are you, what you are about to do, do quickly. Like, just get it over with. Yank it. Don't count to three. Just pull it right out. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought maybe Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival and give something to the poor. Yeah, sure. As Judas has taken the bread, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. And that was it. The key thing about this story, when Jesus said, hey, one of you is going to betray me, the, uh, the, uh, the, another gospel writer actually includes the words where each of the disciples were saying, you know, is it me? Is it me? They were looking around. Lord, is it me? Now, I would think, we, I would think the disciples would say, not me. 
But instead of saying not me, they said, is it me? Which is an indication of maybe deep within their hearts. And this is what we have to, humility is, we should never come to an understanding where we would say, I would never do that. I would never do that. For some of the disciples, they were like, instead of saying, not me, I would never do that. That's what Peter did, right? They all said, is it me? It, and then so Jesus says, it's the one that I pass this bread to. Here you go, Judas. Now, prophetically, what we have to understand prophetically is that Judas was sitting close to Peter, was sitting close to Jesus in a close place. Now, John the Beloved and Peter were definitely close, but Judas was nearby. So in the prophecy, when we read in Old Testament prophecies that Jesus would be rejected and betrayed, it had to be by someone that was close. It had to be. And many of us, most of us, I would say all of us, would not accept a storyline that would open us up to rejection. I would reject a narrative that includes me being rejected. If as soon as I find out what, I got to be rejected and betrayed and stabbed in the back, no thank you. But Jesus says, we got to stay true to prophetic elements. We got to stay true to, to prophetic narrative. God's plan is bigger than my plan. And so the storyline around Christ, the main focus was that he was going to be rejected. Now, the key element of tonight is that Jesus stayed true to mission. He stayed focused on mission. And so what he did with Peter and what he did with Judas was he opened himself up to relationship with these guys. Okay? Because think about it this way. Mission is more important than my status. So when Jesus picks the 12... He picks out these 12 men. He picks out the 12 men based on what their role was going to be in the mission. And since somebody close had to betray Jesus, he said, we got everybody. We got it. We still need the guy who's going to give me a kiss on the Garden of Eden. We still we still need the guy who's going to shank me. We still need the guy who's going to get me. We still, we still need that person. Because in this storyline, the mission is so valuable. And this is, this week is considered, we call it, it's so beautiful and flowery. It's holy week. But for Jesus, it was a painful week. This is where pain unfolded. And this is what relationship factor now. Jesus opens himself up to his disciples. And relationship creates this sense of vulnerability that opens you up to be hurt by someone. So Jesus hands the keys to Judas to hurt him. And, and it, which reminds me uh, of the times that I've been rejected or I've been betrayed by someone close to me. Because it had to be someone close. If it wasn't, if they weren't close, it wouldn't hurt as much. Because you could just easily write them off and dismiss them. But Jesus opens himself up. He says to Judas, what you're about to do, just do it quickly. Judas leaves the dinner table. There's tension in the air. There's this awkward silence, right? And we're reading in in, in John chapter 13. And in this same context of John chapter 13, Jesus turns his attention to Peter. (laughs) He says, Got Judas. Peter, listen, ma'am, I'm telling you now, you're going to deny me. What does Peter say? Absolutely not. Not going to happen. I will. I've already decided. And Luke chapter 22's version says, I've already decided that I'm going to go to prison for you. 
I'm going to die with you. No problem. You ever meet somebody who says the right things, but their actions reveal something different? Yeah, this is Peter right here. Their actions don't line up with what they say. So Jesus says, actually, you're going to deny me three times. Actually, Satan is going to sift you like wheat. You are, Jesus says to Peter, you're going to fall, but I'm praying for you. So this is pretty an interesting prospect here, because if Jesus said, you're going to fall, but I'm praying for you, I would say, why don't you just pray that I don't fall? But according to prophetic, this beautiful, I love how God, the organizer, the administrator of heaven and earth, everything God does makes sense. So when whatever is unfolded in the New Testament was prophesied in the Old Testament. So it was prophesied that Peter would reject Jesus. So Jesus says, you're going to betray me. You're headed for a trap. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. You are going to stab me in the back. Now, Think about you saying that to someone else. If you had insight, insider knowledge that somebody's going to stab you in the back, if I had inside knowledge, I wouldn't be like, oh, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be like, you're done. You're outside of my bubble. (laughs) I don't even want you in my life. If I know beforehand somebody's going to reject me like Peter rejected Jesus, I'd say, nope, you're done. Jesus says, but I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Not only that, but that when you recover and come back, you would strengthen your brothers. Right there. That's it. That's the church. That's a New Testament church. That when you fall, God is praying for you. That you're, a, a person who falls has not failed. This is so important to understand because Jesus says to, uh, to Peter, listen, you're not going to be able to follow me now, but later on you're going to be okay. And the Bible tells us a righteous man falls, but he gets back up. So I'm either up or I'm getting up. So he says to Peter, listen, you're going to fall, but you're going to get back up. And I'm going to pray that you get back up. And when you get back up, you're going to help somebody else get back up. That's it. Getting back up is always possible. I'm talking to someone right now. Talking to you right now. You have fallen and you have put yourself in a place and you have convinced yourself the monologue that you have, your self-talk is completely sabotaging your dreams and your desires. And I'm going to say to you right now, stop. Stop. Anything is possible. You will get back up. You may have had a thousand no's with the Lord. It just takes one yes to get back on track. And when you get back up, he says, you will help somebody else who fell. This is, this is, now when we read John chapter John chapter 13, I think to all the way to John chapter 18, it's all in red letters. It's flooded with red letters because it's Jesus saying, guys, I love you. You're going to mess up. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. You're going to experience divine power. You're going to reject me. But I'm praying for you. All of, all of these things. And in this same context, in verses 13, in chapters 13, all the way to 18, this is Jesus speaking from the last dinner, supporting his disciples, promising the Holy Spirit, and, and having this awkward dinner conversation. All in the same context in John chapter 13. He rebukes Judas. He rebukes Peter. The disciples are acting like immature little children. And then in John chapter 15, verse 15, he says this. This is remarkable. He says, I no longer call you servants. 
but I have called you friends. Judas, you messed up. Peter, you're gonna mess up. You disciples are acting like brats. Uh, but you know what? I love you. And let's finish up this meal because this bread is pretty good. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna promise you the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You guys are my friends. You guys are my friends. Every, you know, our, our young kids, we have a 9-year-old, 11-year-old. It's so important. Everybody, oh, that's my best friend. Well, how many best friends do you have? Oh, I have a lot of best friends. Jesus says, you guys are my friends. It's like, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Somebody misbehaves on my Facebook feed. I'm going to unfriend you. Jesus is like, these guys are mis- misbehaving. You guys are my buddies. For three and a half years, I would, give, I would probably give the guys a, a, a D. <laughs> Barely passing. I'm truly astonished how Jesus is focused on mission no matter what. No matter what. Judas, Peter, finicky followers, people hating him, stabbed in the back, the roughest week of his life, but he stayed true to mission. He stayed focused. And we often fall off our missional track Ah. Because we make it about us then, rather than our call, rather than our place in our world. It's not about status. It's always about mission. Always about mission. And that's why Peter and Judas were picked. You see, if you receive insight into someone causing you pain or hardship or aggravation or rejection, we, we're told, set boundaries. <laughs> Don't hang around with toxic people. You know, if we had Peter and Judas here, we'd be like, don't hang around with them and set boundaries. Don't give Judas your cell phone number. Yeah. Don't, and just block him on Facebook. Because we run by the principle of self-preservation. Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 15, he says, you guys are my buddies. You guys are no longer called uh, servants. You, you are now called friends. Peter, Jesus predicts, Peter's denial, and yet he says, Peter, you're my friend. Two chapters after, in verse chapter 13, Jesus predicts Peter's denial, and then in 15, he says to Peter, you're my friend. In chapter 15, you're my friend. It's astonishing that the man whom Jesus washed his feet, he loved Peter. And whenever you love someone, you make, I said this before, you make yourself vulnerable. Whenever you love someone, you hand them the keys with the possibility of hurting you. They have the ability to hurt you because they know you so well. But because we're kingdom minded and we're holistic, healthy people, we don't sign, we don't sign people off. We include them in our lives. This was the swagger of our Savior. Mission. What if he, during the week sometime on Thursday night, he would have said, man, you guys are, I, I am just cleared the table and said, everybody go out. Get out of my, get out. I'm going to Olive Garden. I'm so done with you. Stay true to mission. Why? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Jesus right there. While we were sinning, 
He died for us. He didn't die for me because I was good. He didn't die for you because you were good. He didn't die for you to, to help improve your life. This is not a self-improvement program. This is taking people that were dead and making them alive. Church is for sinners. When all this is over and you, if you're looking, if you're, if you're perfect and want to come here, you're going to feel awkwardly out of place. You don't go to the hospital to look for people that are well and healthy. Hospitals have sick people. Churches have broken people looking for a perfect Savior. The greatest plan that has ever been released on humanity <laughs> includes you. That's it. He says to Judas, he says to Peter, he says to the disciples, you guys, you guys are my friends. Your life, your action, your actions, Judas, is a piece of the puzzle that will be used to send me to the cross. Your betrayal is like a knife to my heart. But you're my friend. See, in the, in the, in the passage in the passage here, when we read John chapter 13, Jesus talks about this person, the person who betrays me will be close to me. This is what he says. He said, I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe who I am. And he says, I am, re I am referring to the person that will be close to me. And then the, the prophetic word <coughs> in John chapter 13, verse 18, he says, but this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread, who's turned against me. He's referring to Psalm 41, 9, where, he, where, where David says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, someone that I shared the bread with me will turn against me. So Jesus, in his ultimate plan, planned to keep Judas close. How did Jesus do that? He said, Judas... When he was handing out responsibilities, he says, um, who's going to hold the money box? Judas. Did he trust Judas? No. But the mission was more important than his own personal feelings. The mission. And mind you, Jesus was God, but he was also a man. So we think that he was like a wimpy little guy. You know, he was humble, but he wasn't a punk. He flipped over the money changers table. So in that last dinner where there was where there was men in the room, I'm sure Jesus was like, "You know who I am. You know I can break you with just a word, but mission is more important." How many times have we just fallen off track and just lost our focus because something's gone wrong? What if you're saying it's gone wrong, but God, in God's eyes, everything's going according to plan? What if the church has classified this, we've so classified this as a crisis that we have entrenched ourselves in the, in the knowledge of this crisis that we don't even understand covenant? So Jesus says, I'm going to keep Judas close. And how am I, how am I going to keep Judas close? I'm going to give him the money box. Why is it easy for us to lose track? We get off track. We behave in inexcusable yet forgivable ways. Why? Well, I'm having, Pastor Tony, I'm having a rough week. We see it. You put it on Facebook. We know you're having a rough week. Okay, I'm just warning you, I'm not responsible for my actions. I'm not responsible for what comes out of my mouth because I'm having a rough week. I'm just going to give you a heads up now. 
Well, Jesus stayed true to mission when he had the roughest week of his life. Peter turns his back on Jesus several hours and then follows Jesus from afar, the Bible says. He follows Jesus from afar. He was one of Jesus' closest allies. Now the Bible describes him as following Jesus at, from afar. But let's not, let's not forget the Garden of Gethsemane episode in John chapter 18. The Bible says that Simon Peter drew a sword and drew, he, he took a sword, he drew it, and struck the high priest's uh, servant. His cutting off his right ear. And this is a side note, trivia. Um, this is vital to understand the story. Uh, a bit of revelation, historical revelation that we have to understand to give us more insight into the story. Um, the Levitical law, according to Leviticus chapter 1, demands that the high priest who serves the Lord be without blemish. So in Leviticus chapter 21, it makes a very interesting reading. The entire chapter has to focus on that the high priest cannot have any defect, cannot be blind, lame, have any back problems, no uh, serious physical issues, or any part of the body missing. And any man that has these kinds of defects cannot represent the people before God. So the, 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 the priest, the high priest, the Jewish people had this saying. And I had a conversation one time. I was in an airport in St. Louis and I was talking to a rabbi and he confirmed this saying. The Jews had this saying that the high priest, they had this saying, saying they had to, this saying that the high priest had to have two ears, two thumbs and two big toes. And that is it. If you were qualified as a high priest, it was because you had two ears, two thumbs, and, and two big toes. And if you didn't have two ears, two thumbs, some people don't have two thumbs, and two big toes, you were not qualified as a high priest. So the high priest in, in, wasn't in the garden issuing the arrest for Jesus, but it was the high priest's servant that was sent into the garden. And I submit to you tonight that the striking of the ear of the servant of the high priest wasn't a failed attempt to decapitate the servant, but a successful blow of humiliation to the high priest who ordered the arrest of Jesus. So Peter's like, you're going to humiliate my Jesus? I'm going to humiliate your high priest because my high priest is more powerful than your high priest. My high priest can beat up your high priest. And so... The, and, and insulting the servant of the high priest in the Old Testament was common practice in the Old Testament. So Peter now de de delivers this very calculated strike. He wasn't going for the head. He wasn't even to decapitate him. He wasn't even looking to hit him straight on. Exactly. He says, I am going to insult your authority. By, and, and Peter took such care. And it was after this that the prediction comes to pass. So passionate, Peter is. And then what Peter say? He says, time out. Everybody chill. Everybody relax. He says, don't you know? Now, this is Friday. Don't you know that I have 12 legions of angels that I can call like that? And it would wipe everybody out. Think about that now. In his roughest week, he had at any moment about 150,000 angels ready at his command to come to his rescue. But while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. 
And I don't know if you're here watching tonight on YouTube or Facebook or maybe listening in on podcasts. If you're here tonight and you are following Jesus from afar like Peter is, you are so passionate for the things of God and all of a sudden all these things happen. Now you're following Jesus from afar. But I got to tell you, Jesus still called Peter friend. Peter denies Jesus. Peter stabs in the back. He rejects Jesus. But Jesus says, I have a mission to accomplish. And that mission is simple, ladies and gentlemen. To tell you how much he loves you. Someone's listening right now and you feel like you're just at the end. Someone's listening right now and you feel like if I were just to disappear now, no one would notice. First person to notice would be Jesus. Because the message of the season, the reason why Jesus stood his ground and didn't tolerate a lack of focus was because he loved you. I'm amazed how Jesus is so intimately aware of the process of our failures, yet he went ahead with his plans to die on the cross, absorbing the failures, absorbing our pain, absorbing our grief. Jesus stood his ground so that he can prove one thing, that he loves you. He loves you, my friend, with an everlasting love. And there's nothing that you can ever do to separate you from the love of God. And maybe you feel like, I'm too far gone. Well, the Bible says his arm is not too short and his ear not deaf, that he cannot hear you and that he cannot reach you. You may have said a thousand no's, but today... All you have to say is one yes. The most incredible plan invaded our earth through a precious Savior. And we're going to be receiving communion in several moments. And uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you to partake of communion. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ... Um, I want to make sure, let's, let's get that squared away right now. Can we, we, could, it, we could square it away right now to make sure that your soul is in line with heaven. To make sure that you are in right standing with God. I've always said this, peace is not a feeling, it's a position. Right now, I'm going to say a prayer. You've said, you repeat the prayer that I'm say, saying, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then you can partake of communion with us here tonight. The bread... That represents the broken body of Jesus and the fruit of the vine that represents his blood. If you're here today, two prayers actually, I'm going to pray. First prayers for these several people watching right now that you feel like you are, um, the, the phrase you've used actually, the exact phrase that you've used is, I feel like I'm at my end. I can't take anymore. And God wants to rebuild that spiritual cushion to be able to handle life, to be able to master life. And that the only thing that can master you is the master. His name is Jesus. I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for those who are at their end. They feel like that 
their, at their end. Jesus, just take a deep breath. Just reflect on the love of Jesus that he has for you. You've heard this message, the gospel, hundreds of times possibly. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say, you know what? This day, Thursday, April 9th, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. Without Jesus, you won't make it. Are we at the end of, our, our, of the world? I don't know, but we've got to pay attention to what's happening around us. Because what's happening around us is falling in line with what was spoken thousands of years ago. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, just say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I pray that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you as my Lord and Savior. Clean my heart. Take away my shame. Take away my guilt. Thank you for hope. Thank you for peace. I desire to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with this song uh, by Sarah Vaz. And then we have a special guest. My wife, uh, Susan, is going to help me uh, partake of communion. And we're going to read a scripture. Be blessed by this song.
be upon you for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 he is for Before we do, Jesus used bread as a symbol of his of his broken body, and throughout his process with the disciples, the disciples really didn't get it until he had to actually say, "I'm the bread, I'm the living bread." And bread is such a beautiful, it's beautiful, isn't it? Our, our future son-in-law, Brandon Adonisio, is going to uh, he made this, and. Um, and so I'm going to break it because this is what Jesus did. The Bible says on the night he was betrayed. Right? Let's read that. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, Thank you, Jesus. took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Mm. And he said... This is my body, mm. which is broken for you. Thank Do you, this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant Praise in God. my blood. Thank you, Jesus. Do this whenever you drink it Hallelujah. in remembrance of me. For Thank whenever you, you eat this bread yes, Lord. and drink this cup, mm. You proclaim Thank you, the Jesus. Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So then, mm. whoever eats the bread or drinks the mm. cup mm. of the Lord in an unworthy you, manner will be guilty Jesus. of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Mm. Mm. So everyone, that's us, yes. everyone ought to examine yes. themselves before they eat of the bread and yes. drink the cup. Mm. Mm. Thank you, sir. The Bible says he took the bread. he broke it and as he broke it 
Lord's Supper. He sat around with his disciples and Peter was going to betray him and, and absolutely Judas was going to betray him. Then they were like, who's going to betray you? And Jesus says, the person that I hand the bread to and he gives it to Judas. He gives to Judas symbolically a piece of who he is even though Judas didn't give him his heart. He gives it to Judas. This is the symbol of communion. Father, we just pray right now, God. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the blood. We thank you, Lord, for the bread. You should have your elements in your hand at this point in time bread representing the broken body of Jesus. Let's partake of the bread together. More. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And he takes the fruit of the vine and you read it. It's the new covenant the new agreement not the old the new agreement and you're covered by the blood of Jesus let's partake of the fruit of the vine together thank you Jesus if you said that prayer for the first time tonight to accept Jesus Christ in your, as your personal Lord and Savior send us an email at life at restorationchurchri.com or dot online. Again, it's life at restorationchurchri.com or you can call us or even text us on our church cell number at 401-585-6343. Let us know. I, ex I received Christ for the very first time. If you are without Jesus Christ, you will not make it. When you are with Jesus Christ, you will do more than just make it. So it's not about surviving. This is about thriving and overcoming. We're not survivors. We're overcomers. We're not victims. We're victors. Let Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, make a connection with us. Thank you for listening. Tony Paolo is the lead pastor of Restoration Church. If you would like more information, go to restorationchurchri.com.